Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Hello, welcome to another edition of Blue Marble Podcast, where we're keeping it real about climate impacts, climate stories, and various eco-activist adventures. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Rev Bear, and I have a special guest with me today, my friend and colleague, Mary Williams. She's also with Climate Reality Project with me, and we have been... Um, We've been journeying with this whole issue of electrification for a while, and we're here today to sort of talk about it and share our story with you all. Hi, Mary. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Char. Thanks for inviting me. Always a pleasure. So, you know, we've we've tromped in some similar spheres for a while. Uh, we both lived over the over the hill. I want to I want to explain to our listeners. <laughs> we live currently at the Monterey Bay in California, which is this, you know, world-class marine sanctuary. It's a very diverse community all along the central coast of California. When we say over the hill, we mean over the Santa Cruz mountains, which drops you, boom, right into the San Francisco Bay area. Uh, again, a very diverse and hugely populated um, metropolitan area. And that goes all the way from San Jose, all the way up to San Francisco, Oakland, a whole bunch of communities. So we lived over the hill for a number of years. And now we found ourselves migrating over the hill to the coast where we both are now living in Monterey County. So, Mary, why don't we back up a bit and talk about when we lived over the hill um, in San Jose? What what got you even interested in this whole matter of climate change and this whole issue of electrification? What what even caught your interest about that? So. Prior to moving to Monterey Peninsula, we lived in San Jose for 30 years and I raised my two children there. And my daughter was uh, academically very interested in the environment and uh, climate change. And she brought all the stuff that she was learning home mm-hmm. and said, Mom, Dad, you've got to you got to listen to this. You got to learn about it this is going to be super important. And so, you know, we followed her along and took her advice and got interested and read more and learned more and started participating in, you know, some of the actions that she was doing. Just uh, even in high school, she was out there uh, taking action with some environmental groups to monitor the natural environment and just, mm-hmm. you know, start, start to get involved. So she really, you know, grabbed us hook, line and sinker and, and took us with her. And she eventually uh, went off to finish her studies in environmental policy over at UC Davis and then did a master's program over in London. And now she is working in uh, the environmental industry. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was kind of how we got started. So she brought stuff home and said, hey, look, you know, it's, it's a little bit different in our family. The same thing. We were living in San Jose 
We'd been there for almost 15 years. Um, our son was finding frustration in middle school and high school because none of his colleagues were interested in talking about climate change. And he had activist parents <laughs> who were bringing home issues because Andrew and I have been involved with environmental issues sort of forever. Um, and I know for me specifically um, after the oh, 2016 uh, election, I was determined uh, all the more to jump in and try to move the needle on policy about climate change. And I felt we were heading into a dangerously polarized um, time when, um, you know, I kept hearing that uh, suddenly politics was all over climate change. And I thought this is this is absolutely ridiculous. So that's how I got involved with the Climate Reality Project. And I also got in very involved with Indivisible um, at the time and some other coalitions in San Jose, like Together We Will. And I know that I, I met you through Indivisible and Climate Reality Project. Mm -hmm. And I think what really got me very interested in electrification in particular um, was the movement around clean choice energy. Um, that was very exciting. But before, yes, because that, that really took it uh, to a whole other level on, on an enormous scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to explain to our listeners, when, when we talk about electrification, Mary, help me out here. What are we, what are we talking about when we say electrification? Because that's that word's being thrown around a lot. But specifically, what does that mean? <clears throat> of it as moving the tailpipe because if we are using natural gas in our homes and we're using fossil fuels in our vehicles we are all source emitters of the um, you know greenhouse gases and it's very hard to control mm -hmm. and so when we go to electrification the energy that we put into our homes and our vehicles mm -hmm. is controlled at the source of generation. Mm -hmm. So right now we might not have completely clean grid power feeding mm -hmm. the feeding the chargers and the homes. But um, that is happening. Uh, mm -hmm. Cleaning of that is happening now and is expected to just keep accelerating and accelerating and the mm -hmm. more people that use it, the price per kilowatt hour comes down. Mm -hmm. And we get to the point where we have clean, renewable energy that is less expensive than the fossil fuels that we had been using for decades. That's a, a beautiful explanation of it. And, and just to sort of add on to that, um, uh, you know, so many of us Americans are out here trying to do the right things. You know, we, we want to get an electric car. We want to plug it into our home charger. You know, we want to um, minimize uh, the use of electricity in the home. We're maybe trying to replace certain cleaner appliances. And we've been uh, greenwashed into believing that uh, natural gas somehow is clean burning energy when it's not. It's a fossil right. fuel that's very, very toxic. Um and the news so, just keeps getting worse about natural gas in the home. I mean, the whole it, concept yeah. of indoor air pollution and mm -hmm. the impacts on human health are mm -hmm. something that I heard absolutely nothing about until just a few years ago. 
And that's not surprising now that we are able to look back and have uncovered so much thanks to investigative journalism that the fossil fuel industry, which has been responsible for extracting and producing coal, oil and gas for a long time, over 50 years ago, their own scientists understood the impact that their product was having on the planet. And they have deliberately deceived and greenwashed and are continuing to do so. So it's like not surprising we're only hearing about some of these things now. And it takes a lot of persistence on the part of people to get to the truth. Yeah, it's just amazing. Um, if you, you know, web search Exxon New or the Drilled podcast and you go through and you listen about and read these documents that the big fossil fuel companies had during the 70s, mm-hmm. they knew they yeah. made a they made a deliberate choice. They were all going to be energy companies, and they mm-hmm. had their hands into many different ways of generating energy. And at one point, their executives made a deliberate choice. They said, nope, we are deep sixing the all the other methods. We are going headstrong into fossil fuels, and that's it. If you think about at that time, had they decided to go headstrong into clean, green energy, what a different place we would be in. Right, exactly. In the planet right now. I mean, you don't stop being an energy company just because you decide to do clean energy instead of dirty fuel. Right. But they made that decision at everyone's expense. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. And, you know, a lot is said about, oh, it's the corporations, the corporations. These are humans Mm -hmm. making these decisions. Mm -hmm. They had the knowledge. They had the data. And they, as humans, made that decision mm-hmm. to put, uh, you know, profits above people. Mm-hmm. So the whole electrification movement is very much tied then to putting people and the planet before profits. It's, it's exactly. democracy trying to reverse this problem. And when we talk about a just transition to clean energy, we're wanting to make sure that things like electrification are available and affordable for everybody. That's one of the things that got me into the whole community choice energy movement that was happening in the Bay Area with San Jose sort of setting a prototype. And it took a lot of footwork on the part of activists at the city council and county supervisory level, but they did it. They did it. And what that meant was if you weren't rich, you didn't have, because got to be wealthy enough, affluent enough to own a home in San Jose. Everybody knows that. It's hideously expensive. So if you're renting uh, a condo, a duplex, an apartment, if you're in a mobile home, if you're in an HOA and you don't have the option to do this for yourself, you could, through your utility, elect to draw the source of your power coming into your home from 100% clean energy, wind and solar. And it forced the the state utility, PG&E, to make available that source of energy in the mix. And so that was very exciting for me because I signed on to it immediately. It ended up costing maybe $12 a month more to know that everything coming into my rental home every electricity source I had was coming from wind or solar. And the the exciting part about community choice uh, energy in California is that legislation was passed for this, um, I'm going to say 10 years ago or so. Mm -hmm. And then 
what that authorized is these individual uh, not-for-profit companies that were responsible for pr procuring the clean energy. So mm -hmm. it started off, I believe, in Marin and then spread to Sonoma and then um, over to the Bay Area. And there are some in Southern. And, and now it is, it doesn't cover the, those those companies are not available for every community in mm -hmm. California yet, but they are growing every single day. And the great thing about that is when they came out, they were, they were authorized to take over the energy procurement responsibility for everyone within their service area because mm -hmm. they had a, they had a base rate and they still do, they have a base rate that is mm -hmm. clean, but not necessarily renewable. So carbon free mm -hmm. and everyone got into, everyone opted in automatically. That was like an 80% default option for everybody, right? Every, everybody. Mm -hmm. And only those that said, oh no, I don't want that. I want to go back to my investor owned utility for energy, uh, for electricity procurement. Only if you made a conscious choice to opt out, were mm -hmm. you out. So mm -hmm. there's a huge number of customers that didn't even notice that it happened. And the, the rate was set so mm -hmm. that it was on par with the, uh, the rate for the investor-owned utility. So it was not costing them anything additional right. to come yeah. in at that base rate and they're getting the clean. What, um, what Charlotte was talking about was... Uh, the the prime or the green they have different names for it but the the next level up which is mm -hmm. I want to support clean and renewable and create mm -hmm. more demand for that and bring uh, more of them to the marketplace so that eventually instead of having two different rate plans there will be one it will be all clean all renewable and right now it's causing those of us that opt in, you said you saw maybe a 10 to 12. I saw maybe like a $5. It's Not very, very minimal, very minimal on a per month base and investment in, yeah. um, in what we believe in and what we believe the future is holding. And, and I'm, and that became a prototype for other counties in California. And I know not everyone listening on this podcast lives in California, but this is our story here. The thing is, there may be moves, there may be efforts in your state, in your area to push for this kind of solution. And in California, we've learned that this solution um, through uh, citizen pressure can and customer pressure can be achieved and it can make a real difference. And what I love is that it is available to every residence, whether you own a home or not. And that is an answer to some of the pushback that I get when I talk about home electrification, which is, well, that's just for people who own homes, right? Well, what about the rest of us? Well, this is for everybody. It doesn't yeah. matter what residence you're in. This is available and affordable for everyone. So that was very exciting to be a part of that in San Jose. And I know when I moved over the hill at first into the Santa Cruz mountains, it had a redwood um, cabin on half an acre of land. Everybody up there is using propane. Everybody's right. up there using wood burning stoves. I'm thinking, holy cow, this is really yeah. <laughs> polluting. Everybody's up there on natural gas stoves, if not, you know, and it, because there's not a whole lot of sun, not a lot of people have home solar. But I was able 
through the um, Santa Cruz County version of Community Choice Energy called 3C Energy, I was able to have clean energy coming in with a prime option, living in the right. wood. I was not adding pollution to that ecosystem, which I loved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you similarly and even, too. And even before our Community Choice Energy company came online to offer that directly to our homes, um, we did uh, we did a lease on some solar panels. So this was, I mean, we couldn't afford to, uh, the the capital outlay to purchase solar panels for our home, but we did get in with the no money down lease. And so what that did, it put the solar on our roof and put all the equipment in, and we paid the solar company for the energy that we were generating, you know, the portion of the energy that we were generating. And so there was a cost involved. So it was about, you know, maybe a wash, maybe slightly cheaper, but we were doing the right thing. You know, we mm -hmm. were taking our load of, uh, of electricity off of the tailpipe of the factory and onto our roof. Mm -hmm. So that, that was another option too. And if you don't have a, uh, an ability of your, electricity provider to give you an option for the clean energy, that is something to at least uh, take a look at. It, you know, it's going to cost you maybe the same, maybe a little bit cheaper, but it's doing the right thing if you can uh, logistically handle that. And and we've, I, I'd be happy to share a little bit about our journey because we actually are financing solar panels now. Mm -hmm. um, after the, and a lot of people listening have heard about the the terrible wildfires, the CZ lightning fires that struck all over the state of California. And of course, in the Santa Cruz mountains, it um, destroyed yeah. a lot of the old growth redwood forests. We, we decided to move out of the mountains. We moved further down the bay. Um, we currently live about in the, the center of the Monterey Bay. And we, we, with a VA home loan, you know, I'm now a homeowner, right? Finally, almost retired. <laughs> I'm a homeowner. <laughs> all right. After living in government housing and clergy housing and student housing forever, right? Finally. So <laughs> um, our son, who, like your daughter, is a, a graduated college in environmental science policy and management. Um, he was working for a little short time post-grad for Sunrun. And that's the, the company we decided to go with. They're one of a national company. So, yep. But um, they came out. We had the option to lease or finance. We decided to, and it was great. They came out, they did a site survey. They figured out how many panels we needed. They looked at all of our electricity bills, made the suggestion. We bought more panels than we need currently because we wanted to put um, an EV charger in our home and we wanted enough mm -hmm. panels to, to fund that as well. So currently we're actually putting more solar into the grid than we're currently using because we don't yet have the EV car. We're waiting to get the EV car. Right. Um, so, and, and all of that um, will get a kickback from the utility company at the end of the year for basically helping to put clean energy into the grid that others are being able to use beyond our immediate home needs. We did not have to put any money down at all for the solar panels. We are financing them. We chose to do that through um, a very ethical green company called Goodleap. Uh, they own- oh, yeah they're financing for us and, and we pay a flat rate. Now, when we get our solar tax rebate this year for purchasing the panels, 
if we put all of that rebate back toward the, the financing, it's going to pay that principal down a lot and keep our flat rate very, very low. So we are in a position now to um, fuel all of our home needs and eventually that EV car when we get it from 100% solar energy that our panels are producing. We have a home that still had gas appliances in it. And so what we've been trying to figure out how to do is how not to use them as much as possible. But anyway, that, that's been our journey with solar. And I could not believe that you could actually get into it with no money down. And like you say, Mary, have the option to lease or if you want to, to finance and keep a very flat rate of utility bill, especially here in California when our state utility company has been jacking up prices. I mean, yes. three, four times the amount that people had been paying previously. And you're, you are <laughs> in a way a victim to all their fluctuation. And, and this rate, you're not. Yeah. And, you know, the the fight is not over in California. The oh, Public Utilities God. Commission uh, recently adopted a new net energy metering plan that pays a lower rate to the uh, rooftop solar generators for what uh, the kilowatts that they're putting back into the grid. So there's still uh, a lot of discussion to be had and hopefully new policies coming out uh, to to make it more more affordable for people that are are doing that. So I know we chose to. We, we, I'm sorry. I was going to say we went the the third route on solar when we moved. We made an investment in purchasing our solar panels and we installed uh, panels on our roof and two uh, smart battery storage that we can basically control the settings with a little app on our phone, decide to save more. We can put it in storm. It, it automatically goes into storm mode so that it saves up more energy in the batteries if it detects that a storm is coming. We had terrible storms on, on the coast here in January mm -hmm. and our neighborhood power went out from the grid for a full week. Mm -hmm. And, uh, through, you know, it was winter. So we did run our heating system. Mm -hmm. uh, we were very frugal on that because we knew that we wanted to conserve our battery powder power. We basically want to make sure that, you know, the refrigerator still operates and, um, mm -hmm. you know, some other minimal things. We do a lot for conservation and cutting back on our energy use um, mm -hmm. in general, but uh, we did not lose power because we had our battery supplying. There was enough sun coming down even during the stormy period yes uh to to refill the batteries batteries with solar during the day and just being super uh, conservative with uh, yeah. how we were controlling yeah so we did that at that point that was before the uh, the inflation reduction act so we were on the previous uh 30 percent uh, tax credit for that mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. And, and we had an older roof and they said, well, we can't put the, polar, the panels on that old roof. We're going to have to do that. And so for the portion that, um, that was going to be holding the solar panels, that job was, was helped, uh, helped pay for by the solar installation company. Same. And yeah. And so, and when you put, and we did the rest of the roof, um, you know, pay out of our pocket, but the 30% covered the whole project. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, there, 
need to take a look at the the different programs that are available now with the Inflation Reduction Act. I think there will be you know similar um, tax credits available, and then later on uh, in the summer or fall, the uh, rebates coming. Yeah. In. Well, and this this is I, I love that you're explaining all that because there there's a lot of sort of myths to debunk out there. I mean, you know, people saying, oh, look at the mass solar farm. It's going to be awful. It covers all this territory. Well, I'm sorry if anybody's gone out and looked at an oil field or yes. seen, um, uh, you know, a fracking area. I mean, those places look like friggin' Mordor, right? You can't tell right. me. <laughs> I mean, and, and the greenhouse gas emissions is just atrocious. So we're not talking about surfacing the area or doing more damage to the environment than what fossil fuels have already been doing. Um, and then also and the just idea to, that- Just to exist, just for right. humans to exist, we have an impact on the planet, but what is the lightest step we can take? Mm-hmm. So, And in terms of the lightest step on your pocketbook too, I had no idea and was not even ready to contemplate solar thinking, oh my gosh, we just moved, we just survived a, a home disaster, you know, it's going to be years before we can afford solar. I was blown away at how easy yeah. it was to get into it. So so that's something I, I encourage people to look at it and think about it. Because uh, again, like Mary said, it's about getting the source of energy coming into your home, which could also supply your personal transportation if you've got that EV car, getting that to be as clean as possible. And um, there are a lot of incentives coming down the way to help with that. And, we, and right now we've gotten kind of addicted to the, the app that, can, that, can, that shows us uh, <laughs> what's coming in off of the roof and what's going into the batteries and what the house, because we have a nice little animated graphic that shows us, you know, we're the, we've got our house down to using half a kilowatt pretty much at, at idle, minimal use, half a kilowatt. Yeah. And our panels are pulling in during a nice sunny day, six kilowatts, uh, which is fabulous. We can, on a sunny day, we're filling our batteries up early in the day. We do have uh, an electric vehicle that we purchased in 2018. Okay. We've had it for a while. And when we were living in our other house, we didn't quite have so much control um, you know, easy control because we did not have the batteries. But when we were at the other house, we would charge overnight just the 110 outlet in the garage. We didn't install a charger or anything. Um, we could sometimes access a charger at work or a public charger. So that was all very doable. But here we take a look. When When is our solar pumping out that six kilowatts? Oh, our batteries are full. This is a great mm -hmm. time to plug in the car. So we don't plug in overnight. We plug in during the day when it's going straight from our solar panels through the system and into the car. And yeah. we have uh, we have a we don't have a solar we don't have an EV charger per se installed in our home now. We have a two forty uh, plug from the dryer in the garage, and we just we just repurpose that to plug in so that it it charges a little bit faster than the 110, but you know, mm -hmm. it works. It mm -hmm. works. I, I love, our I, lo I love our app too. I, you're, you're talking about that. And I was looking at that. It's like, uh, we get to see 
what our solar is generating, you know, every single day, like yesterday, even with a 47% cloud cover, we generated 35 kilowatts. And in the right. last month with a lot of cloud cover, 985, and we've generated almost 5,000 kilowatts and, and we're using like less than one. So we're generating way more uh, than yeah, we and we're We are in a semi-forested area close to the ocean. We have a lot of cloud cover days we have uh, you know we have a lot of trees around us but we were still able to you know have enough roof space to really make a difference in what we need and I don't want to discount conservation because if you use less you need less mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is you know that that's a huge part of it too I mean we take a look at um, the, the items that we have in our home and, you know, do we, do we need lights on? Can we put something on a timer? Can we automate something? Um, so we just, we just try not to use very much energy in general. Well, and this is where things like if you're in a home and you're able to do it, putting in a skylight can make a huge difference. Um, and, yes. and, you know, uh, just just lighting itself i know we're we always pay attention to the peak hours of um energy generation for the utility we know it's between 4 to 9 p.m every day which makes sense people come home from work school right. they're, they're using all their appliances they're cooking you know and so we actually i i've been using a variety of strategies to be using um most of my energy at other times and because i'm i'm working full-time um i've developed things like crock pots or <laughs> You know, right. that are cooking on slow that I turn off when I come home and there's the meal. It's been prepared all day during non-peak hours. So like you're saying, you know, um, I want to talk about that for a minute, too, because we're in a hybridized home. We moved into a home that was already established. It is not 100 percent electric. We still have a gas stove. We have a gas heater. We have a gas dryer. We have a gas heating system. Crap. So we can't afford to just replace all those things all of a sudden. And so I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we've yeah. tried to do to not use those gas-fueled appliances and instead switch to cheap electric alternatives until such time as we can afford to replace um, the gas pipelines or turn them off and, and put in an electric stove and get the heat pump and overhaul the heat, the heat system. So right. you, you did a bit with heat pump stuff. Did we you did. Know? Yeah. What happened we, there? We did because we, uh, you know, when we purchased this house, it had a really ancient gas furnace that was, and we knew it and, you know, they disclosed it and everything said, you know, this is really probably doesn't have very much life left in it. So we're mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we know that we're going to need to replace it. So let's proactively figure out instead of waiting for a emergency to happen when the furnace dies and we have to put something in quickly. So we, we planned for it and we made an investment. We purchased heat pump and had that installed. And, you know, the winter heating bills went from in excess of $300 a month, $400 a month, um, to, you know, we're, we're, we're down to less than, less than a hundred dollars usually, um, because we still have gas, hot water. We still have a gas dryer and we still have, um, a gas 
stove and oven. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we still have those draws on gas and that's where most of our uh, energy money is going these days. It's, it's mm-hmm. not really towards the electricity because we've kind of got that, that covered. We can, mm-hmm. we can go for many weeks without drawing anything from the grid, um, mm-hmm. which, which is awesome because we've learned how to do that. We, we kind of had a crash course because we did a bunch of RV traveling recently that mm-hmm. caused us to look at every single watt mm-hmm. of energy use in mm-hmm. our in our rolling home on wheels. We know mm-hmm. that when we want to make coffee, we have a we had we had batteries. And so we had, uh, you know, electric kettle that would draw 1000 watts, but it would only take four or five minutes to heat that water. And then you got to mm-hmm. just be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, you, you, you don't use, you don't use a microwave unless you absolutely have to. And then maybe you're just, you're just heating stuff up. Right. So and so- we learned, we learned a lot about how to take a look at every bit of energy use. Well, and I love how you're describing that with camping with the RV is that what I'm hearing uh, and in in the home as we're adjusting, people can tend to think, oh my goodness, this is a major overhaul. I'm going to have to give up so much. I'm going to have to completely change my way of life. I'm hearing you camping with an RV. I'm hearing you having coffee. I'm hearing you looking at battery storage. It, it's like you're having the same quality of life as you've been having, but the key to electrification is that the source of what is fueling the lifestyle you love is coming from 100% clean energy. Yeah. And, that's the key. You know, the concert and the conservation piece, you know, like I think people have mostly switched over, but if you have not switched over to like LED light bulbs, right? Um, if you still have incandescence and halogens in your house, you are pulling in, you know, 100 watts for an incandescent, and right. halogens can go higher than that. And when you've got all your lights on, if you've got, uh, you know, can lights up in your ceiling, mm-hmm. a lot of those originally were, you know, very high uh, mm-hmm. consumption light bulbs. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's LED, there's affordable LED replacements for all of those now. Um, yes. Some that replace incandescents at your, at your local big box store. Yeah. Very inexpensive. And the lifespan of those are years. And oh, so it's ridiculous. You, I mean, in some places, it's getting harder to find an incandescent bulb. Well, but and, I mean, take, and take all those small steps. I, take those first. Open your windows and when it's, it's sunny out and light your home that way. Well, just on the LED, I mean, a lot of some people have said to me when I do outreach, they said, oh, but I like the effect of an incandescent LEDs. Are, LEDs have been changing and yes. uh, developing so differently. We now have, uh, we have studio lighting in our house that can be dimmed. We have chandeliers over the kitchen table. Okay, it came with the house. Um, yeah. We have outside uh, patio lights that are, um, on timer controls, we have yellow bug lights. We have um, the little pathway lights out back that can just a nice, beautiful incandescent glow. Um, mm-hmm. We have red lights in the garage and every single one of those um, in our lamps, you know, in our lamps, we have soft lights. We have uh, some some bright white lights. Every single one of those is an LED. 
every single one of those is an LED. Every single one of those was bought at a big yep. box store. Every yep. single one of those has lasted like three, four years before I have to change a bulb. It's crazy. So that's another thing just to debunk is no LEDs. That, that's another example of an electrification I mean, step that's changed consumption, the amount of electricity you might be using. And there is a little on LED because there are different uh, different temperatures of the lights. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. look on the packaging for if you want something that's a very bright bluish light mm-hmm. or if you want something that, that maybe that's in a high work area in your garage or your kitchen or you want something that's a more uh, a warm yellower light that's uh, reminiscent of an incandescent feeling in your living room. Um, so look for those. Uh, dimmer switches are sensitive. You have older dimmer switches. They might not work with your LEDs. So you might need to, if you, if you want to maintain that, you might need that. Um, but they're not as clearly not as expensive or as uh, hard to find or just when they first came out, it was only those gross, really bright blue lights. People mm-hmm. hated those, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't want to live in a living room with that, but but they're out there now. So just, and they're at the big box stores. They're at your local hardware store. They're available online. So just, you know, read an article or two and take a look and, or ask uh, ask the folks at the store or your friends or your neighbors. It's it's out there. Once you learn just a, a couple of tricks, you'll be there. Yeah. So whether you're starting with smaller steps or whether you're going, you know, trying to look at a major overhaul, I do, I always want to leave listeners with um, actual resources and um, the Climate Reality Project, of course, has lots of information about the um, IRA incentives, but they promote also Rewiring America. And this is um, a webpage you can go to, Rewiring America. Um, And they are a a wonderful organization that is really working on helping people with electrification. It's www.rewiringamerica.org. There are fact sheets about um, residential energy efficiency tax credits, residential clean energy tax credits, electrification rebates. Um, You can calculate uh, with the IRA incentives, anything that you might be thinking of doing. And what Rewiring America is also doing is they are trying to work with contractors um, so that in various communities around the country, they can help to identify in your area eventually um, what businesses or contractors might specialize in helping you do this. So again, that's www.rewiringamerica.org and you can slash IRA fact sheets. So that's a a resource for you. uh, can I, I share? What, I'm, I'm sorry. There's a couple of tiny, tiny steps that you can access right off the bat with the, the suggestion that they have. You can get a discount on a home energy audit. Mm-hmm. If you can't get your head around, um, you know, I don't, I really have no idea how much home, how much energy I'm using in my home. I need some help to figure out mm-hmm. how much am I using? Mm-hmm. What, what are the steps I could take at what mm-hmm. price points to really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, make a difference. Uh, mm-hmm. There are uh, incentives for insulation, for weather stripping to get it so that your house is retaining more of the, the heat mm-hmm. that it's uh, generating in the wintertime and the coolness that it's uh, maybe your AC system is kicking out to keep it cool in the summertime. 
So you can start with some some small steps like that to really figure out um, how you're going to make an investment. And in the meantime, um, some of the things that we've done in our home, can I talk about that for a minute? Some of the steps we took just as interim measures um, to try to get away from using the gas appliances. I mean, some of them, some of them are obvious, like we, we wash with the electric uh, washer that's coming from our yes. solar generated energy, but our dryer is gas. So as much as possible, we've set up drying racks within our garage and obviously outside. We just dry our clothes a lot more. Or if they're really, really dense, like a blanket can dry outside um, nicely within 24 hours to 48 hours. It's fine. Leave it out there. Shake it out. Yes. towels, You know, um, and so right now we're, we're really only drying if we have to dry things like socks and underwear, which we can put on a quick dry cycle for like a fraction of the amount of time that we would have used yes. in throwing a whole load in together and having mixed drying. We have inside racks for um, times when it might be cool or raining or not as effective in the garage and outside. And it's not unsightly. We just got some of those stand up racks. You can fold them up, put them away. So that yep. that's an that's a no brainer. There, it costs we, nothing. We use we use those as well, and and we we we've been using those uh, since we moved. Uh, in our previous house, we had I haven't gotten to the point to set this one up yet, but the backyard rack, which was it, kind of folds up like an umbrella. It's like a inverted umbrella. Yeah, and it provides a huge amount of drying space. But you know, we don't we have a two person household, so we don't have a whole lot. Um, so we're using the, the drying racks right now. And especially when it's a nice sunny day, it's like, Ooh, that's the day to do the laundry because then the drying rack will be its most efficient. Um, and I, I, yeah. I turn, I put the laundry in, in the morning before I go to work. <laughs> and then if I have time before I go to work, you know, uh, put it out, but, or on the weekends when you're here, you know, do it like that. So, um, another thing that, that we did, uh, is we got, electric space heaters, but I want to caution about that because electric space heaters, and we just bought some from Costco, they're floor ones that are, um, have a, a fine filament so that, you know, pets can't stick their fingers in there or anything like that. And one will electrically heat up a room very comfortably within a couple of hours. It's very comfortable, but the key is you got to turn them off. They're not meant to be never use them overnight. That's a fire hazard. And you never want to just leave them on for on on ongoing ongoing so they warm up a room once you've warmed up the room you turn them off and it keeps the space nice and warm for a while this is where your insulation point comes in and oh my gosh wear a sweater put on a blanket yeah <laughs> you know we in the winter yeah, we this... understand we don't have to run around the house naked 24 hours a day we can actually put on warmer covering but <laughs> and this is this has been kind of a switch for us because where we lived before in San Jose, it was in general uh, warmer than where we Hot. live by the coast now because we're closer to the ocean, which brings in, you know, the nice cool breeze. But yeah, it, it keeps it cooler. So we've got long sleeves and sweaters year round. And um, we well, also and have we also have a single room. Uh, heater, it's a it's like a. It's like a combination fan and heater. And yes. so that has a timer on it. And then yes. we also use when it's when it's cold in the winter, we have a electric blanket that we mm -hmm. plug in, pre-warm the bed and then unplug it mm -hmm. at night. So we're only mm -hmm. using that warmth for mm -hmm. maybe an hour. 
mm-hmm. and then then it's off then and we get into a toasty bed and we're good mm-hmm. exactly so um that's a strategy we, we do want to get a heat pump when we can and we're we're looking at it within the next year and i'm i'm thrilled that now so many of the heat pump technologies um are improving upon allowing you to be an air cooling system as well as a heating system yes. so you take care of both of those things and you know i i understand that um our listeners are like all over the country and some of you live in places where the winters are atrociously cold and some of you live in um, excessively hot areas. So the idea of a heat pump that can provide a, electrified heating and cooling uh, is is very um, attractive. Of course, if you already yeah. have an, an electric heating and cooling system, then just changing the source of your fuel, you've got that already in place. Um, one, uh, and in one San Jose, other- where where it was warmer, we had we had a an upstairs addition on our that was done on our house before we bought it. And it could not hook into the central furnace mm. and air conditioning system that we had. So we put in a heat pump mini split just mm-hmm. for that that room that was above the garage. And mm-hmm. mini splits can be used um, in many different environments. Um, they really yes. are very efficient. And the pricing has gotten so much better than when we put it in years ago. I know we just, ago. when we were in the mountains, we just bought uh, for a couple hundred bucks, we bought like a little local swamp cooler that was electric that you could put mm-hmm. in one room and it would cool the room down really, really well. Yeah, um, those can be effective. Um, so, I mean, we're just talking about a, a range of options depending on how much space you have and what, how much money you have. Um, again, we can't pull out uh, our, our re- completely uh, convert over our gas stove system. So we have a microwave, we have a crock pot, we have a grain steam cooker, we have a blender, we have a toaster, we have an air fryer toaster oven together, a ninja thing. That, yeah, we, that, we just took the we just took the plunge on that too. So and, we are now toasting and air frying and not using the oven as much. It, seriously, we never use the gas oven. We never use it. And so we thought, well, we still like to have um stovetop for like one or two things well what we did was we just covered over the gas stove with a a nice slab sheet we had wasn't expensive at all and we bought two um uh what they call inductor um hot plates yeah the single burner and two burner yep we have two um single burner induction hot plates and oh man those things heat up fast they're fabulous they cook so much faster you can adjust the menu. You can adjust the heat. Um, wham! So right now, and I, we, I think the single burner that we got stove. was was only like around a hundred dollars. Not expensive we've had ours at all for maybe two or three years. Yeah, and they work like a charm, don't they? They do. I mean, we're we're and able I, to do anything that we'd want. We have a we have a teapot, we have a coffee pot, but everything is being fueled from our electricity on our solar now. Even though we haven't been able to rip out our gas stove, it's still leaking in the house because they all do. But I mean, right. even though we're not able to replace it yet, our entire kitchen has been converted over to electric sourcing. And and I'm I'm a big instant pot fan. We had a we had a yes. rice cooker and a slow cooker that we used for many years. And then once I got the instant pot, I'm like, okay, this can yeah. do everything those other ones could as well and more. And I'm gonna learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. So I can cook so many things in that now. Um mm-hmm. And then we also have, we do a lot of steaming. So we have a microwave steamer that we use. Mm-hmm. 
uh, a high capacity one because we have a we, we do like a lot of vegetables so we we steam them in the microwave in this microwave steamer and they come out great and my my ninja air fryer oven you know you can roast you can bake you can air fry so depending on what you like to cook it's big enough to feed a family of six you know, mm-hmm. uh, I do want to caution people. If you do air fryers, don't get the ones with the nonstick surfaces inside. If you start to smell plastic, take it back and return it. Um, we got the ones that are stainless steel. Again, yes. trying to eliminate toxic chemicals in your food or in your environment. But these, again, these are not expensive appliances. And if you go to your box stores and you can get them, they usually come with great warranties and return policies. They're not expensive. And so it's it's really easy Uh, depending on, well, no matter what you want to cook, uh, to convert over to electrical sourcing. And then we've been talking about these uh, tax incentives Mm -hmm. with the Inflation Reduction Act Mm -hmm. coming up. uh, They haven't rolled out yet, but they're going to supposed to roll out in the late summer, early fall. There Mm -hmm. will be rebates Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to go out of pocket for the full amount of what you're investing in, and then wait for a tax rebate to catch up after you file your taxes. Mm-hmm. These are things that will take those, uh, the rebates will take that uh, incentive off the top. So right. you don't have to pay as much. Um, now those will be available to uh, moderate income. So there will be a, a means test on those, and av- mm-hmm. their availability and it's a sliding uh, scale about mm-hmm. how much rebate is available to you. But uh, I believe the rewiring America does take um, does take that calculation into into effect. Yeah, that's a it's a really helpful website for looking at all of that. But yeah, that means you just don't have to put out the full amount up front. So and there may also be some uh, some rebates or programs available from your local utility company. Um, I know our company, our, our utility company has, um, has some rebates and you can stack these. The Inflation Reduction Act can bring you some discounts and your, um, your utility company may also offer some further rebates and discounts. And you can do both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there continues to be a lot coming down the pike that you can investigate at the local level, but also through some of these websites to help you. I mean, if you really want to read about the, the entire IRA, you, you can, but um, (laughs) it's a lot, it's a lot to go through many, Um, many hundreds of pages. Yes. And I just want to back up for a minute because we're referring to that, but in case someone hadn't heard about it, the inflation reduction act, which president Joe Biden did sign into law on August 16th last year represents the largest federal investment um, to fight climate change in U.S. history, um, among yes. other measures, the law offers financial incentives to all of us who are trying to transition off fossil fuels. Right. So and it's not um, just individuals; it's it's businesses too. So mm-hmm. if you if you are part of a small business, if you're the owner, you can take advantage of it. Or if uh, you know you have some influence uh, mm-hmm. to the owners, you can bring the, <clears throat> you can bring this to their attention because Mm -hmm. they can benefit from it as well. And the Environmental Defense Fund is another resource. They published eight ways that the IRA, Inflation Reduction Act, can save money all around your home. 
uh, and they update that. And one analysis estimates that the this new law, residential tax credits alone, could save more than 100 million households over 37 billion a year on their energy wow. bills if these things are implemented. So cumulatively, this is huge, and it's trying to um, work the positive side of climate solution through incentives to get people to really jump on board with this. If if you get frustrated over the gridlock uh, in politics, this is a way to see how legislation is trying to help the market move with customer demand, move in the right direction, um, perhaps faster than uh, some things appear to do politically. So it, it's really yeah, and- worth thinking about. The only way we're going to get up to those billions of dollars of savings is if we take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. If we don't, then they'll just, you know, they're they're not going to be used and they'll they'll, they'll go away. But if we, we've got a pretty long uh, range of time. So if you think that there's something that maybe you could afford a a heat pump in two or three years or something like that, um, it's, you know, it's supposed to be available for the long term. Mm-hmm. That's right. But, you know, we want to we want to get out there and make sure that there's nothing in the federal government that changes the availability of these funds. And we as the taxpayers, you know, take take advantage of these things. That's right. And so I, I just want to underscore what you just said. It's our citizens responsibility as well to make sure that we uh are continue to have access to funds like this. And we're hoping that this is the first um policy of its kind that you know if you can imagine could open the door for more policies like this to boost this kind of movement think how much we could do think how much we could do so um, yeah i mean we're all in this together mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. i mean we're all feeling the impacts in in one way or another you're either feeling extreme extreme heat extreme storms uh grid outages more frequently uh, wildfires in your area, or even with the, you know, the drought. smoke coming over, over the border and drought, years mm-hmm. and years of drought in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're, so we're the, feeling it together. We gotta, we gotta tackle this together. And these, this is, this is the work that I know you, Mary, you and I enjoy doing where I take hope is knowing that there are solutions available. And the thing is we don't hear enough about them, which is why this podcast is dedicated to helping, you know, Um, how you can start to implement some of those solutions, make a positive difference, generate good energy, good magic for the planet, you know, do your part, Um, but also feel that you can, you can continue to enjoy the lifestyle you value when you think about how to source it differently with clean energy. And one of the organizations that has some really exciting information that inspires me is a group Mm. called Drawdown. Oh yeah. And they, they are coordinating with all the, leading scientists all over the world, worldwide effort, um, to come up with solutions to not just, uh, you know, reduce carbon, but to draw it down. And so they've identified all the different sources and ways that we can reduce that today using today's technology, not waiting for, um, you know, some new scientific advantage. Um, It's, you know, can we, can we, one of the, the amazing things is that there's a lot, there's a lot of emissions produced by refrigeration systems. Mm-hmm. So leaky refrigeration systems, uh, you know, are, are terrible. And so one of the things just take care of those leaks. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, simple, so, right? So I know so, sometimes people say, well, the big, the big problem is with corporations and they keep trying to put all of this back on us, the customers, when they're the one. Okay. Making these yeah. personal changes as we do not only empowers me at a personal level, and I get jazzed and excited to, to see how easy this is to do and how effective it is to do for my home, my family, my neighborhood, my community. But it's also cumulatively pushing the demand for this kind of thing to the producers. Yes. And right. so it do, the more of us involved, you know, affect policy, affect producers. And that's the point. If we've got less than a decade to really make proactive choices, this is an area in which we can make proactive choices starting right now from right. the smallest little changes you want to make all the way up to an overhaul of your home life. I mean, if you feel hopeless and helpless, you're not. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do something. You can take small steps, you could take medium, you could take larger steps, depending on what you're able to, you know, fit into your personal lifestyle. Thank you so much, Mary, for sharing part of your story. Well, thanks for inviting me to, to share this time with you. That's really great. And and here's another thing I want to say to folks too. Find a buddy in your area, you know, someone you respect who's, who's doing this. Compare notes. Compare notes with people because I, I learned from you, Mary, when you share, you know, we've we've compared notes a lot. It's like, what are you doing with that? Right. What are you doing with that? From vendors you might want to use, contractors, you know. Um, Annie's list up with each other is what I want to say. And and make it a, a community resilience effort. It's it's fun that way. Yeah, and this um in Monterey County here, we have uh sponsored by the county, we have city by city sustainability groups. Mm-hmm. And they help to, you know, foster knowledge of people. And, you know, they have tables at our farmers markets, they have tables at our festivals, and they're talking to people every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with climate reality, we're going to be going out there and helping them and we're having these conversations. And it's so exciting when you talk to people one on one about it. They, they're excited, they want to do something, they want to be part of the solution. Oh, absolutely. And I know another thing we're doing, um, we're sharing this because you can do it in your area too. find out who yes. are the climate justice organizations out there. We have regeneration. They're all over. They're yes. all over. And, and they're needing a lot of support too, is making sure that communities most vulnerable who may not know about these things, learn about these things, you know, share across the organizational lines with each other. That, that's been a big part of my story that I enjoy is finding the synergy uh, among different groups where where we really learn that we are greater together than we are separately. So, um, yeah. And each group has a slightly different focus and will appeal to a different person. So it's okay to have, you know, several different groups working on very similar things because we're all taking a slightly different, uh, you know, angle at it. And that will resonate with some people. And another group's angle will resonate with another group of people. And pretty, pretty soon we've, we've got good coverage because Mm -hmm. we communicate in different ways and uh, are able to get people on board. Mm -hmm. And underscoring everything here in the United States, if you're listening is always, always, always remember to speak up and make sure we're protecting our democracy because we vote with our vote, with our voter box. And we also vote with our dollars. 
Yes. So uh, we we always want to ensure we're protecting that as well. So that's a that's a big and, thing that matters to me. I know, and it's so and intersectional. If you've, if you've moved recently, don't forget to register to vote. Oh please, yeah. Because in some states, it can take uh, quite a bit of time to get mm-hmm. your voter registration. Uh, you know, maybe you need to produce ID. Maybe you need to get something notar- You know, notarized. I'm not yeah. sure what the procedure is in any different state, but you're they they're changing a lot. So there's going to sure. be one. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there there may be more changes coming down uh, the path in your state. So make sure if you've moved, find out how to register to vote and get it done well in advance of the next election in your area so that you can take voice. part. Yeah, you could take you don't want to lose out on any like even if it's a local election. Mm-hmm. You have influ- individual influence on those things as well. And those are important. Well, we hope today um, us sharing a little bit of our story has helped to clarify some things about this whole notion of electrification or home electrification has given you some um, ideas and some examples about how to take little, slip, little steps all the way up to the bigger steps, um, some resources that you can access. Um, Mary, was there anything else you wanted to add in closing? Well, not really. I mean, we've talked about a lot of things, but my, I would just, the closing thought I would say, just find out what's available. Take some steps. Don't be afraid to try something. Um, every little bit helps. And make a plan for maybe how your your family is going to tackle a five-year plan of things that you can do that maybe you can't afford an electric vehicle now with the incentives coming, even for used ones and greater supply, maybe that can be possible within three to five years. Mm-hmm. Make a plan. Mm-hmm. Here, here. Well, that wraps up this installment of Blue Marble Podcast. Thank you so much, Mary, for joining me. Always a pleasure. Um, thank Indeed. you so much for listening. Thank you. And if you value what you heard here today, folks, please share this information with others. New Blue Marble podcasts air live on the third Friday of every month, and they are available for listening anytime after they air through our channel on Blog Talk Radio. You can go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash CSNP. Search for Blue Marble with Reb Bear, and you'll find the archive of all of these podcasts. Click on any you want to hear or download for later listening. And you can also follow our podcasts on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash CSN podcasts. Finally, you can find a complete archive of hundreds of programs by all of the excellent podcasters through Circle Sanctuary on the website at www.circlesanctuary.org under the CSNP tab. So until next time, this is Charbert signing off. Thank you for all the good you do. Stay true and blue. And hey, I hope to see you in the green space. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. 
Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcast. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.